Okay. So all three of you are staying on. Are you staying on? I already said that. Already, was already first. Everyone's staying on. Oh, that's wonderful. Except for the man who jumped Pirate ship last night. Yes. Hooray! Hooray! Captain, you're now the admiral of the fleet. Put on your hat sideways like the boat. Admiral's two dice. Welcome to Which Game First, where we boldly explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we find any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up this week, we're off on adventure in our wondrous airship. But will we crash before we gain outrageous fortune in Celestia? Next up, we light up our cities. But do we go green or blacken the skies with coal? Let's find out in Power Grid. And lastly, we slug our way through divorce, financial ruin, and meltdowns in Midlife Crisis. I'm your host, Celeste Angelus. Now let's meet the rest of our brave and intrepid panel. Hi, I'm Evan Bernstein, podcaster, spellcaster, and diecaster. Hi, I'm Ed Povlitis. It is the hardest thing in the world to frighten a mongoose because he's eaten the nose to the tail with curiosity. The motto of all the mongoose family is run and find out. Hi, I'm Joe Onfrey. How much would you pay to join the crew of my airship bound for faraway continents not printed on ordinary maps? Hi, I'm Mike Grenier, and I can't put my arms down. Hey, Mike, have you ever posted an Apple podcast review? No, but I've toasted an Apple crisp for you. Yum, yum. But what would help us even more is if you left a review. Wherever you listen to this show, if you can post a review, it'll help others find us and it'll build our audience so we can keep bringing you gaming fun. Our first game up this week is Celestia, designed by Aaron Weisblaum, produced by Blam in 2015. Number of players, two to six, ages eight and up. Runtime, 30 minutes. Mike, what did you think of the game? I may not be the best choice for a captain. However, if you want to continue on, you have no choice. (laughs) (laughs) Joe, how about you? Don't answer yet about the airship thing. What if I told you that a bizarre musical instrument is our only defense against killer birds? Wait, there's more. What if I told you that despite the extremely high likelihood of frequent crashes, our crash survival rate so far has been encouragingly and surprisingly high? Now how much would you pay? (laughs) (laughs) Uh Ed, how about you? All aboard the airship Albatross. I mean, the Excelsior. Yeah, that's it. Who's up for adventure? (laughs) Evan, how about you? All right, my turn to be captain of the airship on our way to certain treasure. Oh, wait, we're all going to crash. (laughs) (laughs) Everything about this game sets the scene for Edwardian Airborne Adventure. From the darling character art on the player tokens to the real working propeller just below the taffrail. But before we get started, Evan, tell us a little bit about how it's played. In the game Celestia, you board an aircraft with a team of adventurers to perform many trips through the cities of Celestia and recover their wonderful treasures. At the beginning of a journey, all players place their pawns within the aircraft. The players start the game with six cards in hand. At the beginning of each round, one player is chosen to be the captain of the trip and they roll two to four dice to discover the challenges that they will face, which include fog, lightning bolts, killer birds, or pirates. They must then play the appropriate counter cards, a compass, a lightning arrester, a foghorn, or even cannons, in order to continue on the journey and reach the next city. But before the captain plays the appropriate cards, 
Each player must decide whether to stay within the aircraft. If you exit the aircraft, you're guaranteed the victory points that come from exploring the current city. If you stay on board, you hope to make it to the next city in order to catch more precious treasures. If the captain can't overcome the challenge, though, everyone comes crashing down empty-handed and you will need to begin a new trip with all passengers on board. The winner is the first player to accumulate 50 points worth of treasure. As you may have alluded to, you actually crash a lot in this game, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> so many times when you're the captain, you want to just get on off, but you can't. Of course. You're going to find more treasure. Just hang in there, guys. It's going to be great. <laughs> Our relationship with the insurance company is uh, problematic. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have to talk about that airship prop. Man, that deals the show. Oh, boy. Building the airship was uh, was fun. It is such a nice piece, very cleverly designed. It packs flat in the box, but it is a 3D ship that you build out of those nice, thick cardboard pieces. And the spinning propeller on the back, it spins. <laughs> it was actually useful in the game, too, to move everybody at once to the next space. So it had a use, but it was also awesome that you could spin the propeller around, which was totally unnecessary, but very cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I beg to differ. Very necessary for immersion. <laughs> well, well, I think another thing that's cool is the game mechanics are so familiar. I mean, to push your luck, roll dice game, and hope for the best, but it's used in a very inventive and engaging way. Yeah, it's an example, a perfect example of what makes pressure luck games fun because you just have yourself to blame when you fail, unless you're the captain, of course. <laughs> well, not just yourself to blame. I mean, you know, I, I usually find a way to blame other people. Or the giant birds, or the lightning, or the pirates. <laughs> I had an allergy to pirates. Every time yeah. I turned oh my came gosh. up, I rolled pirates and I had no, I had at one point 16 cards in my hand and not one of them had an anti-pirate cannon on it. That's right. unusual. Yeah. And people were still following me to the next adventure. <laughs> <laughs> he must have a cannon card now. Yeah, we were starting to wonder if you were an undercover pirate or something. <laughs> uh, part of the fun actually though was convincing people to come with you even though you know you're going to crash. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you kind of want them to so they come to the doom too. Oh, totally. <laughs> right. I think it's very interesting how the decisions are actually with the people who are not the captain. That's right. The captain can't make any decisions. He has yeah. to go. Yep. That's oh, right. Yeah. It's not easy being captain. <laughs> I, I also like that the captain uh, then cedes the captain's helm to the next player um, for, for the next set of encounters that they have. It, it, it moves along quite quickly uh, in that regard and keeps things very interesting. The pacing on this game is delightful. And I thought it was just the right length. Although, you know, as you go farther down to get these expensive treasures, I don't know how anybody ever makes it to the end. <laughs> you can roll blanks. We made it, what, halfway before somebody got 50 points worth of treasure, which is the real ending of the game. I mean, I feel like the, the outcomes only take as long in this game as the players want them to because you're trying to enhance the drama of... Will he have the right cards? Like when the captain's about to reveal the cards that will either pass or fail, yeah. uh, they can just wait and like, you know, watch everybody's reaction for a while. But other than that, it goes really quick. <laughs> <laughs> and I love the art. The art is so charming and bright and cheerful and colorful. And it really has the color palette of sort of an old fashioned adventure. Really, really delightful. To, to anyone who's been listening to us for a while, you've probably heard me mention how much I've liked the art on some board games we've covered. Well, this game might just have the artwork that I found the most amusing so far. Oh, wow. 
the expressions on the characters that you get to choose from set the mood. You know, they give you all the role playing tips you need to play the character perfectly from what they're wearing to the expression on their face. It's like, okay, I instantly understand this character. Let's get right into it. (laughs) We all fell into characters very quickly. It was it was a simple thing to do. It was effortless. I mean, we fell into characters almost to our fault. On top of everything else, it's that it's a push your luck game, and it has a turn order that makes the game seem even more interactive than it is. You know, it, it makes you call upon your take one for the team skills and your every man for himself skills. That's true. And your ability to convince others to stick yeah. with you, even though you know you're going to crash. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is one of my favorite things about this game. Or sometimes I would jump and ship, not because I thought the captain was going to crash, but I was going to be captain next, and I know I was going to crash in. <laughs> uh, that's a good point. Yeah. That is a good point. That's that's a good time to jump. That's what and you I, were doing. Yeah, oh, yeah. Ed ended up winning, too, for that. <laughs> yeah, of course we, It was did. close, though. We were all pretty close. Yeah. Oh, no. I was nowhere near oh, winning. Oh, except for you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Celeste, you, you stayed on every voyage. You never failed. <laughs> I'm surprised I didn't have that same affliction in this game, because games like this always make me press my luck too hard. Oh, I play um. my character 100%. I picked this character token that looked so optimistic and youthful that it was she was going to make every stupid mistake she possibly could. So, of course, she's going to stay on. I'm with you, Captain. No problem. (laughs) That was fun. No problem. I'm with the captain. I'm with you. I will stay, Captain. Hoist the anchor. Oh, yes, yes. Hoist the anchor. Up with the mizzen, I say. (laughs) So what's this connected to? Nothing. Just keep pulling. (laughs) That was her tagline. No problem. the well, character I think- that I thought was playing was the one like using the lightning arrester, and the lightning arrester looked like it was so much fun to operate. I don't think I could have torn myself away from it, even <laughs> if I knew I was going to crash. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I think the, the one reason why I might have just squeaked the head was that one time everybody jumped off the ship that I was piloting when I knew I had the courage. So, like, everybody uh, jumped off, but I moved mm-hmm. off the forward alone. <laughs> I was trying to watch you, and I was trying to think, Ed doesn't want us to come. That much I can tell. But does he not want us to come because he's going to make it? Or does he not want us to come because he's being altruistic (laughs) and wants us to save ourselves? Yeah, I think it was the one time you jumped off the ship. It was the only time you did. I know. Yeah, this game definitely has like a poker metagame to it where you can check people's expressions to see like whether (laughs) they're going to jump off or you know whether the captain has the goods. (laughs) <laughs> true um so if you pay attention to the odds in this game yeah. like you know you can see what cards have been played already you can uh if you know the deck composition you can see what's in your hand you could use those little things for your advantage but you do not need to do that at all to have fun you don't need game. to but another easy one to take track is uh which uh icon's been foiling up your partners and, oh yeah and, that's really important <laughs> and don't assume that just because the you know that the captain is you know has the cards he needs just because he's got 16 cards in his hand <laughs> oh that's yep. true that's I mean, true that's, that's how that turned out <laughs> 16 yeah. cards no pirates there's only four suits in this game <laughs> uh, i don't know that we ever got to the point where we rolled the fourth die you start off the first few islands just rolling two die, and each die represents an obstacle, which will come, you know, it reveals whether there's a pirate or lightning or what or nothing. And we got through, obviously, two, fine. Then we started getting into three dice, and that's where it started to get, forgive the pun, dicey, <laughs> and where all of our abandonments and crashes and everything else happened. We couldn't even get to the point where in the last two islands where you have to roll four dice. What would that have been like? I oh, know. my gosh. 
I really, really, really wanted to get to those mysterious high treasure islands. Actually, the high treasure islands are less mysterious because each island has a range sort of of what numbers you can get at it. Like the first island is one plus. The second one is two plus and then it goes to like four plus. But the higher ones are like definitely 15, Set. 20, 25 or something like that. Right. I don't so. care. I don't care. I wanted to get there. Well, there's also there is a little mystery because there could be special use cards in there too. Oh, absolutely, yeah, special mm-hmm. power cards. You you get rid of the points you earned from the card by using it, but it gives you some cool ability like to jump ship and jetpack and stuff like that. Yeah, I used the one to keep the ship going one time so I can uh, get more points. And you can force rerolls with some power cards. Okay, it's time to decide whether or not to dig up or bury Celestia. Ed, how about you? The game is lovely to look at and fun to play, so climb aboard as we dig up, up, up to some high adventure. Joe, how about you? This game's a farcical, riotous ride, and I can't wait to go again. Dig it up. (laughs) Evan, how about you? Looked good, played well, the company made it even better, and this game came highly recommended, and it did not disappoint. Dig it up. All right. Mike, how about you? I would brave lightning and sky pirates to play this again. So dig it up, up and away. Fresh style, engaging premise, clever little airship. And role-playing opportunities galore is always a plus in my book, or in this case, in my wax-sealed missive to my cousin Eleanor. Dig it up. (laughs) Evan, where can you find this game? Celestia was one of the two games I purchased when I was in England a few weeks ago, along with Deep Sea Adventure. Uh, Celestia cost me 20 pounds sterling at the local game shop there. So that's 15 to 25 bucks, depending on where you can find it online. It was available in stores, not just on the cobbles of Main Street, but of course online. If you have thoughts about Celestia, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our next game up this week is Power Grid Deluxe, designed by Friedman Fries, published by Rio Grande Games in 2014. Originally published in 2004, number of players 2 to 6, ages 12 and up, runtime 120 minutes. Joe, what did you think? I'd compare this to a 10,000 meter run, shorter than a marathon, but definitely no sprint. Evan, how about you? The engine of energy is churning, and it's a race to see who can seize power. Mike, how about you? When I make general comments about Euro games, this is often the game I have in the back of my mind. And Ed, how about you? As a German-style board game, it rewards efficiency and balance. It also has a phase called bureaucracy. (laughs) Of course. Once I saw the interesting pipeline map laid out, on the ridiculously huge board in front of me, I was ready to light up the world. So what if I have to overburn a few million tons of coal to do it? But before we get there, Ed, tell us about how it's played. The goal in Power Grid is to supply the most cities with power at the game's end. To achieve this end, each round players well, bid against each other to purchase power plants. They will need to power these cities. However, as power plants are purchased, new and more efficient plants will become available. So by merely purchasing, you're potentially allowing others access to superior equipment. Then we will buy fuel, coal, oil, natural gas, and uranium needed to power these plants. As resources are purchased, the supply dwindles, rising the cost for the following players. Then 
will build generators in cities striving to expand your network to get the cheapest routes. Finally, we'll get paid for power in these cities and use these funds in the next round to further improve our power grid. The game ends when the grid has reached a set threshold and whoever powers the most cities wins. The images of the power plants were one of the one of my favorite things about this game. And boy, oh boy, this is a resource management game. It's all, it's all it is. <laughs> There's nothing else going on. They had nice resource pieces, coal, gas, oil, all represented by these cool little nice pieces of wood. Yeah, the fuel meeples are awesome. And I love the way the, the market works for those as you, as you gain them, they get cheaper. And then as you buy them, they get more expensive. Yeah, you start to feel the the pressure of resources not replenishing, and some of them replenish at different rates. Yeah, it's kind of neat, and because you have to you know now you're you're paying attention to what power plants other people have, because like, oh wow, mm-hmm. like like four other players got uh, you know, oil, and maybe I'm gonna go stay out of the oil market. It's gonna get expensive. Yeah, yeah, that mm-hmm. definitely has to be part of your strategy. It's a little simpler than other Euro games we've played. You can really you can really focus on two th- or three things and just build the best engine you can. Your engine was really cranking, Evan. Yeah, I did all right. I honestly, I thought you had really run away with the game, and I think one of the weaknesses of the game is that it puts a little it put it puts too much importance on the final moments of the game in in that the victory the only victory that matters is how many cities you can light up at the last moment well i feel like if you play this game a few times like i know i played it like a dozen times and ed's played it countless times Mm. but there's kind of like a red flag that goes up when you're watching other people and i kind of try to (laughs) warn everybody like um you might not realize it right now but this is the end game and you better get ready for it (laughs) it uh, does it comes quickly it ramps up fast exponentially fast you have to get to 15 cities uh, before the game can possibly end. And you'll see somebody who's at like eight cities and you're like, oh, there's no rush. You know, I got plenty of time. Right. And all of a sudden people are whipping out like five, four cities in one turn. And you're like, oh, crap, I did not see that coming. Everybody starts building up money then. When you're powering eight, ten cities, you're getting 100 bucks a turn. You can do a lot with 100 bucks. I remember on the first one or two turns I was playing, it was like, wow, this game is going to take a very long time. We're never going to ramp up. <laughs> yeah, it seems like that at first. You're barely scraping by. What? What's that power plant selling? You know, that's being auctioned off for the for a price of like fifty. That's ridiculous. No one's ever going to get fifty dollars. You know, just, <laughs> just for something like that. That's totally out of reach. Said yeah. the person who bid seventy four for a power plant. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's, I like the auction phase. Uh, it it worked very well. Yeah, the auction is where a lot of the action is in this game, and it's, it's a key thing because you want to get the right power plant for yourself, but you also sometimes want to try to get other people to pay too much for the one they want. I just love auction phases in general uh, because it keeps everybody occupied at all moments of the game. You're not waiting on one person to complete their turn while you're twiddling your thumbs. You're, everyone's in it. I'm really glad you like this auction phase, Evan. <laughs> right, Mike? <laughs> I was trying to get the price bumped up on him and he called my bluff hard. <laughs> How dare I call <laughs> at your At just bluff. the wrong time. <laughs> it was perfect. <laughs> oh, it was great. Yeah, I love the way the play balance works on the turn order, too, because it's very important to moderate just how fast you're expanding your network, because if you get too big a network or too big a power plant, you're going to be first in turn order, which generally means you're going to have to pay more for stuff. Yeah, being first is terrible in this game. <laughs> you get to buy your you buy your resources last and you start the bidding first. So when you bid and you eliminate stuff out of the bidding pool, new stuff will come in and it's usually better than what's already out there. 
I think turn order is one of the best balanced things in the game. I liked that um, the people placed first were the winners of the previous round because it sort of rebalances. Well, that guy's the most powerful. He's already the most successful. Let's let the other guys catch up. So I liked the turn order a lot for that reason. I don't want to fight, you know? Yeah, I hear that. I'm over here by myself, except Joe just choked me out. <laughs> like, literally. There's no way to get out. He completely bottled yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It literally is going to cost me an extra $24 just to leave the area. Hey, so Look at yeah. all the pipes Wait, that so he like, shut off. Phase, all of phase two is going to start soon. I don't know if I liked, and I'm not sure about this, if I liked the balance on the maps yet. I chose an expensive area of the map, meaning it cost me more to build from city to city, but I had less competition because I went to the expensive area. So I'm not sure if the less competition balanced it out for me. You also started on a, on one of the coasts, Celeste, and that means you can only expand sort of in one direction for the most part. Whereas I was, I was heart center right in Chicago. I had all sorts of expansion opportunities that I could go. I started on the coast because I wanted to try isolationism a little bit to see if that would help. But also because the coast had the cheapest uh, paths inward. If I had started in the middle of the desert, it was very expensive to build out. You know, me and Mikey started out in the, in the Northeast. So we were kind of rubbing up against each other a lot, but there's a lot of uh, cheap routes in the Northeast. Yeah, they're cheap routes until somebody snipes one and you got to jump over them and pay more anyway. <laughs> like, yeah. so we were butting heads a lot in the area. So there, there might have been something to the isolationism. Yeah, I don't know. I think it was a mistake. I wouldn't recommend it. I certainly wouldn't recommend it for a new player. Um, I would definitely go ahead, get right into the heart of things. Well, at the beginning, the players choose which areas they're going to play on the map. And there were a couple of more populated areas we could have played. But uh, the ones we chose were a little more sparse on that side of the map. Yeah, it's like we totally ignored the southeast in our game. Mm -hmm. I like that you get to ignore certain parts of the map. Like you get to set up your map the way you want at the beginning, which is, uh -huh. I like that a lot. I like choices when it comes to resource management. And I would have liked more choices in the victory conditions. I didn't care for that the only victory that you could have was that one thing lighting up the most cities on the last turn. Um, that mechanic that is growing in popularity where you get to pick custom victory conditions. I think I'm a little spoiled by that. Yeah. A lot of the newer game give a uh, alternative path to victory. Well, this one is, well, money isn't victory points in this game. Nope. It is what you need to do everything. Yep. And you're always a dollar short like any good Euro game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I shouldn't have bought that one extra coal for $3. Now I'm short to buy the power plant that I want to buy later. You can block people by, like, oh, I'm going to overbuy fuel or I'm going to get that generator so that other people or block a generator so that, you know, block somebody from trying to expand too much. But that might hurt your own plan because of the opportunity cost of the money now. You might buy a power plant that burns more fuel to light the cities up because you can also store more stuff on it. So you can take more resources and buy them and store them on there just to make them more expensive for other people. Yeah, I did that with coal. I grabbed a, a plant that took in a lot of coal and stored it in that plant and tried, and tried to drive the market up on other players. It wasn't a totally successful 
ploy, but yeah, it would have worked better if we didn't have so much green power and like cheap, efficient power on the board that the time. Oh yeah. gosh. I tell you, <laughs> you greenies. Oh, I didn't want to be green. I was trying to burn as much coal as I could, but I never could get my hands on those power plants at the time. Uh, actually, Mikey, you were the most efficient in the game. You had green, you had plants that only burned one in fuel almost the whole game. I was lighting up 10 cities with one piece of coal. One deceptive thing to the game, I think, is learning when to upgrade a power plant because it's key to look for opportunities as they come to get a 5, 6, or a 7. And you're limited to three power plants maximum. So sometimes you phase out the old efficient plant that's running free off of uh, cooking oil to mm -hmm. put your more gas-guzzling one in there instead because of the end game. Yeah, for me, I like how each map plays differently, too, because we played on the North America side, but if you flip the board over, you can play Europe, and there are differences there. So there are a couple of rule tweaks, and plus there are nine power plants available on the market instead of eight. The fuel rates are different, and you can buy many other expansion boards for power grid, too, so it have different markets and different rules, like maybe some forbid nuclear power or enhance nuclear power in some way. All right, it's time to decide whether or not to dig up or bury Power Grid Deluxe. Joe, how about you? After what was, for me, the initial playthrough, I think this game might often end with margins of victory being quite small. Uh, and I do like games where blowouts are rare. Um, please excavate it. <laughs> Evan, how about you? If I were to play a Euro game with people who have never played one before, I think this would be one of my first choices. Overall, it's very well designed. So like a shovel full of coal, you dig it up. Mike, how about you? If you enjoy long-term planning, auctions, and mind-numbing number crunching like I do, <laughs> follow my lead and dig this up. <laughs> Ed, how about you? This is among my favorite Euro game. So get digging for more fuel. It's time to light up those cities. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was engaged for a good portion of it, but sadly my interest waned as it came to a close. Rather than ramping up at the end, I felt like it wound down, and that's not what I want from a game about energy. So as with the spent uranium from my nuclear plant, I'm going to have to say bury this game. Ed, where can you find it? The 10th anniversary edition of the game just came out, and the original versions are still generally available online at your local game store, along with several expansions. The MSRP is about $40 to $80, depending on which version you're buying. If you have thoughts about Power Grid Deluxe, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. We're at Which Game First on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our last game up this week is Midlife Crisis, designed by Michael Stern, producer The Game Works in 1982. Number of players, two to six, ages 18 plus, runtime 60 minutes. Let's start with Joe. Joe, what did you think? This game was released in 1982. Famous Midlife Crisis flick The Big Chill was released about that time. And again, so was Crawl, Octopussy, and Mr. Mom. So maybe I'm making too much of that. <laughs> <laughs> Evan, how about you? Oh, midlife crisis. Aren't we all in this age group right now? Don't. <laughs> Ed, how about you? Just for deciding to play midlife crisis, you start with 500 stress points. <laughs> it gets better, right? <laughs> Mike, how about you? Is this a story that needs to be told? Well, let's find out. Honestly, I didn't think life games could get worse than the game life, but here, my friends, is worse. <laughs> but before we get into it, Mike, tell us about how it's played. 
In midlife crisis, players wind their way through the treacherous bowels of their middle <laughs> years, 30 to 55 years old, according to 30. the <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's brutal. Your goal is to get to the end of the game without cracking up from stress, getting a divorce, or going broke. If any of those things happen, it'll set you back several spaces and cost you a turn or two to recover. When someone reaches the end of the board, the game ends and the player with the most money wins. Yep. Yep, that's uh, it. Do they win? Does anybody win? No, right. <laughs> there are no winners here. So I didn't mention this in the intro, but there is an alternate win condition. If you go broke, get divorced, or and crack under stress, um, instead of going to the rehab place on the board, you can declare a midlife crisis, which changes your goal. Um, your new goal is to lose everything. And I have no idea why they would make this a game option for such a and and wow. for such a dramatic shift in the gameplay. Uh, this was a really poorly conceived game <laughs> mode. There's very few rules on how to actually play this game mode. But it seemed to be implying, Mikey, yeah. that the game was originally conceived well. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. The only thing missing it was a suicide space on the board, I suppose, <laughs> yeah, at yeah. that point. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it would have been great. Then you could get out of the game. You know, you're just nuts. Forget it. You're blowing the world. Yeah. You're just blowing your life up. I'm sorry. I think, Mike, that's why the rules might be so flexible or, or rather <laughs> underwritten for that portion because it's just like – who cares? <laughs> <laughs> wow. So somebody actually wrote a who cares clause into their game. <laughs> Think about that. <laughs> well, one thing is hard to imagine, even for a race game, a more boring board. Wow. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. Oh, so man. this board suffers from what a lot of boards and games had in the 80s and 90s, which is a case of overwriting too many words on the boards and on cards. Well, they were trying to make jokes, but they're trying so hard to make jokes that they forgot to make a game. Yeah, and they, that's true. <laughs> this game is basically just the jokes. And it's similar to Redneck Life in that way that the jokes are primary, although Redneck Life had better mechanics. This is just move and joke and move and joke. Yeah. I mean, in 1982, you still could have actually made money with a lot less outlay and made a better profit and had a win all the way around if you just wrote a joke book. You know, yeah, exactly, Joe. You'd have been better off just writing the joke straight. What a waste to put it on this. But honestly, this game was really popular when it came out. And <laughs> I mean, maybe the bar for jokes was lower then. And by today's standards, I think we would have considered a lot of this humor to have missed the mark. Here's an example of one of the cards. Your boss has joined a religious cult and is insisting that you join as a condition of continued employment. The fact that they are vegetarian devil worshipers wouldn't bother you so much if your spouse wasn't a Baptist. Wow. <laughs> that would uh. never fly now. <laughs> it, it yeah. does, it's, For so many reasons. It's barely a joke to begin with. Maybe there was a lot of obsession with the midlife crisis back in the day. Or most importantly, as an excuse for childish or bad behavior. Right. And that was a whole, you know, that was a whole ocean of jokes right there. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it gives them a Wait. divorce point. Joe, Wait. what is it that you really want out of life? Live your real self dream realization, Joe. <laughs> yeah. That's right. 
I mean, you get to choose a profession in the beginning of the game, so you never know when you might be suddenly enriched by you know your fellow players' misfortune. You may give them legal advice or medical care or psychotherapy. It seems like the mechanic is a little bit clunky compared to how much attention it takes, and but how much it actually affects play. The thing Celeste read off one of the cards reminds me that it's way too specific, the storytelling element here, because they don't connect to each other a lot of times. Like <laughs> no. That, you know, if it was more general parts of story, then you could kind of role play your way through it. Like, uh, I know you had a moment, Celeste, where you were like, you came up with a profession for yourself that was complete nonsense because of the game, right? Well, yeah, because a lot of the cards I pulled randomly happened to say I was a doctor. You know what I mean? Like oh, yes. you, you got hit with malpractice or something, right? So I'm like, oh, I'm right. a doctor. But then things started to turn south and I ended up <laughs> homeless on one of my cards. I'm like, That's right. I'm a doctor, but I'm homeless. So I said, oh, I must have been abusing my own prescriptions or something. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Frederick remembers you in oh, his man. will. How did they even find me? I've been living on the street for four weeks. Yeah. As a doctor. But Uncle Frederick. Yeah, a doctor. And a, and a homemaker. Street doctor. Oh, I've been practicing medicine out here. Don't you worry. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, I, even our role playing abilities couldn't save this game. No, and we tried, not for lack of we trying. We tried so valiantly to save this game with it. It was actually kind of fun. To it was almost like a choose your own adventure, or just sort of like pick random elements and now make a story about it. It was almost like yeah, more could, fun doing that. We could have done that without the game board that was Ex shaped oh. like a bunch of intestines, though. I oh my gosh, that serpentine <laughs> board was awful. Yeah, it looked like you were working your way through the large intestine, and I kind of wonder if they were doing that on purpose or not. I've never seen us get that confused over a game board. This is this took the cake there. It was oh, it was God. hard. It was almost impossible to see which direction to go because the board is so covered with words. And there are ways to hurt other players, too. Like, sometimes you can skip your turn to make somebody else take a crisis card before they get to the next age. Or you can play a zap card. But all of this stuff only serves to make the game longer. Why would you? <laughs> Prolong the misery. There's a bunch of spots where you stop. And if something happens, you can you have to stop there. And you, it can send you back a bunch of spaces. And you can keep stopping there and going back a bunch of spaces. Oh, Mike, again. you love that. So, oh, it's my favorite. I hate when games, <laughs> especially terrible ones, force you to Prolong. play them far longer than is necessary by like <laughs> rewinding the game. Oh, gosh, I love that, Mike. I, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I, I, It's a bit of, I shouldn't <laughs> enjoy the fact that you hate that stuff, but I just do. <laughs> What are, just do. what are you kidding? It adds to the entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> At least somebody's getting entertained. Yeah, exactly. Right. I, you know what? I'll take the bullet for everybody else's entertainment if I have to. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. I remember I made a mint in that game just by just landing on the right spaces. It didn't do me any good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Were you any happier in the end? If, I, if it said lose all your money and go ahead 35 spaces, I would have definitely yeah. done that option. Of course. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you'd, have, you'd have thrown your watch into the pool too <laughs> real money real right into the pot. Money. here's 10 bucks <laughs> and like many games from the 80s and 90s total disregard for any sort of time reasonable time frame to play with him <laughs> uh, I mean this game took way too long potential infinity the internet wasn't yeah. there folks this is still Friday night game night you had to make three to four hours out of it you know <laughs> to, to occupy the whole evening um, either that or the mash reruns you know this is like pre-VHS I mean you were really stuck it was this or bonanza reruns yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
I would just listen to my Sony Walkman and and oh, that's <laughs> true. Yeah, could have listened to my Thompson Twins cassette. It's time to decide whether or not to dig up or bury midlife crisis. Ed, <sighs> well, even as race games go, this is pretty bland. There are some jokes here, but do yourself a favor, just bury this. Joe, how about you? Um, it's it's dated. I mean, I've never minded that in a game that doesn't take itself too seriously, but. I mean, this is something to dig up. Only, only if you enjoy pretending that you think being easily overwhelmed, depressed, and bewildered is really funny. On the whole, I have to bury it. (laughs) (laughs) Evan, how about you? Okay, as a midlifer myself, I'd rather live it and take my chances than play the game and be forced to take a taste of all the negatives. So bury it with the past. Mike, how about you? I'm not really sure why this game exists. Um, so unless you're Eeyore or Debbie Downer, I'd say just bury this game. <laughs> so far, one of the most depressing parts of being in my midlife was playing this game. So I'm going to say bury it. Mike, where can you find it? Just don't look for it. Uh, but <laughs> if you really need to have it, it's between five and thirty bucks on eBay, where I saw it. Uh, or you can get it as low as two bucks at your local thrift store if you're lucky. If you have thoughts about midlife crisis, the game, not the real one, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you're doing. If you'd like more perks and content from our show, just go to our website and click on Become a Supporter today. If you get a chance, leave us a review on any podcatcher that you listen to us on. Join our chat on our Discord server. We are at Which Game First? And our Patreon supporters get access to exclusive channels. Follow us on your favorite social media. We're at Which Game First. And happy gaming, explorers. Happy gaming. I have a game. Pull my finger. Uh, I won't fall for that the third time. About that airship voyage, suppose I threw in a complimentary breakfast and some decorative tins of chocolate ganache. Now how much would you pay? (laughs) (laughs) 